so yes, indeed, I was here last week. Sorry about this. And, um, <laughs> so what we're going to do is like ready, steady, cook. Okay, so the ingredients is 1 for me to 2, 4 to 10. And in, in a, I'm just going to give it a bit of introduction. And then, yes, we're going to be getting into like little groups, 2, 3, 4, 5 people, however, whatever you feel comfortable. And we'll take it section by section. I've prepared some questions slightly inspired out of Katie's excellent notes, but it, it was silly for me to try and stand up and use her notes, because obviously your illustrations are from your own life, you know. So um, I, when I was, I became a Christian as an adult, and I didn't know anything about the Bible. And I just want to put you at ease if you're a visitor here today, or you might feel you don't know the Bible very well. Hey, you know, that's just fine. And, um, and I, I did find it difficult. In those days, it was before everyone had a computer to carry around in their pocket, uh, in which you had a Bible, you had a paper Bible, and other people's Bibles were so well-thumbed. I, I, excuse me if I've told you this before, but mine looked really brand spanking new because it was brand spanking new. And so uh, I went out into the garden, I got some soil, and I rubbed it along the edges. <laughs> I took some keys and I smashed up the outside of the cover because I wanted to look well. I wanted it to look well used, like everybody else's Bible. And um, but fortunately, I didn't stop at that. I just decided, you know, I'm just going to read this book. For, you know, I'd done, been forced to do O level, um, and I just didn't make sense to me. But now I actually wanted to read it. I'd fallen in love with Jesus and. Um, and there were lots of bits I didn't understand. There are still great chunks of it I don't understand. Um, but as uh, I think it's George Bernard Shaw said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bothers me, it's the parts I do understand that bother me. Um, but actually it's the parts I understand that I love. So um, let's, let's not be put off. The passage might be a bit complicated. It refers to lots of stuff in the Old Testament and you might think, way, I don't know about that. Don't worry. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll try and catch up a bit on it, and I think a lot of the stuff in the passage is self-explanatory, and it's the plain bits that are the most important bits to understand anyway. So that's, that's, that's really helpful. So don't be too, too upset. I like, you, do you know the pointless quiz? You know, during lockdown at work, we occasionally did quizzes, each from home on air, on Zoom, on, on Teams, actually. But... Um, um, you can actually do pointless every day if you have one of those Alexa app, you know, devices. You say, Alexa, play pointless, it's free. They just, you just get three questions. If it's like history or geography, I can kind of have a stab at it. When it's like music, it's, you know, I just get 300. I mean, it's just useless. Um, but, don't, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about it, okay? So please, I just want you to feel relaxed. We need to say, Holy Spirit, come and help us now, because we always need the Holy Spirit to help us understand the scripture, and he is so willing to. He inspired the people who wrote it, and that's, that's all we need. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read the passage. You can all listen. And then I've got four sets of questions with some suggestions, which, which of the verses, you know, the Bible's divided up into chapters and then individual sentences we call verses, which have a number, help us find their way around. And uh, we'll use, you can look, I think the answers to the questions are in those verses. We'll discuss each of the four questions in groups and then debrief quickly. You're getting the feel? The first set of questions will be about God, what do we learn about God? The first, second set of questions about what about what do we learn about people from the passage in here? The third 
just invites us to look back into the Old Testament and make links, okay? And then fourthly, what am I going to do about this, okay? So we'll get to those sections. I'll introduce them again in a minute. So um, let's just read these wonderful words from uh, the Apostle Peter. Chapter 2, starting at verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone... Uh, sorry, just before we, we read any more, just watch out for words that repeat in this or contrast and stuff like that, okay? So as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to God, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, he's quoting the Old Testament, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Wow. Father God, I pray and ask you for the Holy Spirit's help for all of us, whether we think we want to be Christians or not, Come, Holy Spirit, open our eyes, bring light where there's darkness, and grab hold of our affections, our wills, our thoughts, and every part of us, and graciously once again renew in us being your people, chosen and precious, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm. So these first lot of questions... Uh, which can be, it's on a slide here, which can stay up. Um, so it's about asking the Holy Spirit the questions, because he authored the, the, the passage, um, is really to do with what do we learn about God from the passage here? And I don't know, did you notice the word stone got repeated a lot in the passage? So that's mainly where we're going to focus this morning with these questions. There's quite a few other things we could open up, and you're free to open up in the groups. So do you want to get into twos, threes, fours, fives? You can swivel the chairs around, you can unhook them. They are rather linked up, but you can unhook them for the purpose of doing this. You can move around. You can go to a completely different part of the room. Wonderful. So the questions are up there. 
Peter says Jesus is like a chosen and precious stone. Why was that important, do you think? What did Peter want us to get from that? Is there anything in the passage that tells us that? And then Peter describes two differing responses to Jesus. And what are those two responses? What do you learn out of that? So somebody might like to make a few notes maybe on your phone of what you discussed because we will ask you for your thoughts off afterwards as we go along, okay?
Okay, one more minute. Okay, so Ellie is going to be the roving mic person. So exciting. So um, maybe we start on my right over here. And does anybody, let's contribute in sentences rather than paragraphs, just make it uh, stand up, speak out, and sit down. <laughs> so what, was, what did you think was important about um, about Christ being this chosen and precious stone. Anybody want to see it? Nikki's feeling too shy. Um, but Nikki said, <laughs> which I thought was very good, um, that the, the standard, the kind of straightness of the cornerstone was essential for building because if it wasn't exactly right, if it wasn't exactly perfect, it would affect the rest of the building. Isn't she clever? <laughs> So Louis kind of developed that point and, and said the cornerstone is actually also fundally, fundamentally the most important part of the foundations because the greatest kind of load and weight is put on that stone as well. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, yeah, we were just sort of reflecting on the, um, well, actually, Beth said, uh, the fragility of a precious stone um, in what we know, like a diamond, but that this being the cornerstone, it would be so, so strong, yet so, so precious at the same time. Um, yeah. And uh, what do you think Peter's wanting us to get from this picture of this truth? Does anybody want to? Throw anything out there? Yay, Emily. Um, that we should start off right from the bottom. And if we start off right from the bottom, we've got somewhere good to build, and we've got a firm foundation. Mm -hmm. Good. I think it's... Uh, was someone else waving a hand? Okay. I think it's great that, that it's like God the Father in verse 6, the scriptures quoting the Old Testament, see, I lay a stone in Zion. God the Father saying, I'm going to put my 
son Jesus. So you have this sense of this whole purpose from before the creation being rolled out and uh, and, and um, so that's, that, that's great. So then there was describing two different responses to Jesus as God's chosen and precious cornerstone in verse six, seven, and eight. Anybody note, want to describe that? I know it's kind of really obvious it says it here, but, but uh, what, what did you see there? What are the two different responses? Or did people not even get that far? Hey, got Graham up here. There's the interesting contrast, isn't it, that um, we talk about like a foundational cornerstone. So for those who who trust, so those who believe, those who trust, um, Jesus is the cornerstone, the one on whom you build your life. And for those, uh, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Well, I'm, I'm not a builder, but capstone in my head is the one that goes on the top. Am I? Uh, yeah. I think so. And yeah. so, so if, if if that stone is then the top then you've got nowhere else to build above that. So you're effectively saying, well, I, 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 don't, need, I don't need any more on top of that stone. So, um, yeah, and then that, the, that capstone, which is actually the one right at the bottom, then becomes the one that, that you can fall over, stumble over, because you haven't accepted that actually that's what I need to build my life on rather than just sort of leave it lying on the floor or it being, yeah. That was more of a paragraph than a sentence and it wasn't even all that coherent. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. <laughs> so Christ is a bit of a division point, isn't he, in, in human history? It's, it's quite stark, it's a bit in our face this, isn't it? And you might find that challenging, but it's, that is what the Bible actually says. There's what, how we, our view of Christ is a very big dividing point for humanity. And um, so let's uh, move on and consider more about uh, our, um, who we are uh, and this, how the stones is applied to people here. So this, another group session now, Peter also says that Christians are like stones. What is Peter getting at by saying that? Uh, and what are the benefits that he seems to talk about? What, what, what comes with being a living stone? Do you want to, again, just look at that? And I'm suggesting that's in verses 5, 6, and 7, so the, the same passage. Just dig into that a bit, please.
Okay, just another 30 seconds or so, gather any thoughts. Good. Okay, Ali's available again. I cuddled my wife Elspeth this morning and she did not feel like a stone. Right, so what, what are you going to say? What, what, what's Peter getting at? What sort of language is this? Yeah, it's, it's picture language, yeah. So it says in the Bible that God is a rock, and it, you, we, don't, we don't then think, oh, is he ignorance rock or sedimentary rock? You know, we realize it's picture language, yeah? So um, what's the picture getting at anyway, do you think? Are there any adjectives modifying this word stone when it's speaking in the passage here? What kind of stones are we? Right, anyone want to put it? Cell. Cell stones. No, as a, in the same way that a, a stone is a part of a building, as it's building up. Oh, yes. Going to the Paul's um, illustration of cells being part of the body. Yes, body yes. Yeah, very good, yes. <laughs> and, and in fact, he says, you also like living stones. So that's absolutely bang on, isn't it? The cell is a living thing. Yeah, very good, very, very good. We, we spoke about the fact that um, you, you are, if you're surrounding yourselves with other stones, then actually what you're building is a, a firm and stable building and you have the support of the people around you as well and then that can mm. then spread out the more people that you add to it. Yeah, very good, yeah. And we... I'm just trying to remember my point now. Yeah, we, we, we thought there was an importance that... We, we talk about Jesus being identified as the cornerstone and then there's unity between Christ and us because we are also called living stones. And I suppose, I think it's what was spoken about before is that it's not an inert stone. It's still foundational and crucial, but, but it's intentional. It's, it's ready to develop into what it needs to be as a living stone. So when you put all these stones to get, together, what does Peter say you get? Yeah. 
the message says it brilliantly. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life. Wow. Thanks, thanks, Emily. Uh, I guess it's just that with stones, as we talked about there, we're, we're coming together, we're creating something so much better and bigger and more beautiful to God than individual stones that uh, would still be living stones, would still be elements of that, but there's a building part of that, isn't it? Whereas we build yeah. and create the church and all that God is doing. Yeah. Um, Jan really pointed out um, that um, his audience is a Hebrew, a Jewish audience, and they often think about um, that temple being a physical place, and I think Peter's trying to shift their perspective away from it being a physical space where there is stones that aren't alive into actually us becoming the temple um, of God built on Jesus, and and with that we become this like living uh, sort of temple as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, very helpful, Helen. Yeah, I just was sharing about coming up here from the south of England recently, and I don't know if I've, it may have this what we're looking at reminded me of like the stones of each area around where we're living. And because um, that was something that drew me specifically to, you know, like this town and this area of Farsley and Pudsey and that, and the stones are so beautiful. And we don't have stones like that down south, but then, yeah. And the, <laughs> looking at the little walls and the houses and things, and then we sort of went on to say about, I feel like there's real beauty in the tarnished old stones and kind of the dirtier and older they kind of look, there's kind of beauty in that. And I felt like that was a good metaphor for, us as well, and um, that you know, even though we may be dirty and a bit tarnished, God sees that beauty um, of of our preciousness. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. that's so. This makes that's so powerful. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. So the third set of questions. Maybe we'll just do this all together, and before we, um, so the. I don't actually think we need to necessarily go back. It's picking up on the point, Helen, you were sharing. Jesus makes various comments about temples. There's some passages like he spoke to that woman at the wells. If you're familiar with the Bible, you'll be familiar with the story. She was a Samaritan. They were kind of half Jewish people, rather a kind of subsection of Judaism, who said that you needed to worship in Samaria. And she said, you Jews, speaking to Jesus, you think you should worship down in Jerusalem. And you remember what Jesus says there? Can any of you remember the kind of stuff he says? It's in John 4, but just off the top of your head, anyone wants to, what does Jesus say to that? Yeah, you won't worship there, you won't worship here. It'll be worship in spirit and truth, yeah. So he's, he's doing what, you know, has come out in our discussion. He's saying that the actual stone temple in Jerusalem is not necessary anymore for worship, yeah? And similarly, we could say this building is not the church, is it? We are the church. And, um, and so we, we, we don't exactly go to church. We come to be church. 
And it's good for us to adjust our language, I think, about those things. Anything else about temples and Jesus you ever picked up from the New Testament? Anybody? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Now it's very good, and um, so this was actually used in his trial at the uh, at the end of his life that Jesus has said, "Destroy this temple." So you weren't on the mic. So for people at home, destroy this temple, and I rebuild it in three days. And as you say, the temple at that time was the temple that Herod had been building for many decades already and it actually wasn't even finished at the time of Christ they finished it after afterwards um, and they just thought it was a ridiculous comment but the point was he was speaking of himself because he was actually saying I am the replacement for the temple and and then you get to that very great day of the feast in, in John 7 or 8 the one of the feasts where he goes up and on the greatest day of the feast he stood up in the temple and said you know, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and I will give him water of life and, and all these things. He was claiming, in a sense, the Jewish people thought they should go to the temple to receive the Spirit. They should go to the temple to receive forgiveness. But Jesus actually said, no, come to me to receive the water of the Spirit. Come to me to receive forgiveness. In other words, I'm something bigger than the temple is here, it says in one passage. So... Um, Thank, that's wonderful, isn't it? Because this is available to everyone in the whole world to come and meet this temple, to receive forgiveness, to receive life, to receive the Holy Spirit. And, um, and that's what Jesus has done. So um, maybe we can jump to, to number four. Um, uh, you know, how does this truth that you as a Christian are a living stone in God's new temple, a spiritual temple, affect how we live? How are we declaring his praises to those around us? Would you like to, um, again, just break into the groups and, and think of takeaways from the passage? And then after that, we, we won't debrief out of that. Um, Emily and the band will bring a, a final song and then we'll be rounding up at 12 o'clock when the Treehouse children should be collected, okay? but. but Let's have something to take away. God says it's not blessed, it's that blessed people who hear his word are not blessed. It's people who do his word are blessed. So I want us to be blessed today. So find something to take away today out of this for you. All right? Into the groups again.
perhaps Emily would come to, and the band would come up the front. And you'll find something to take home with you. That the Holy Spirit will remind you of during the week. One of the brilliant things that Katie Lucas in her notes had in her notes was a reminder about when Jesus first met the Apostle Peter, his name was actually Simon, and it was Jesus who said to him, I'm going to call you Cephas, which is the Aramaic word for rock or stone. And the Greek version of that is Peter, meaning rock or stone. So maybe that's just why that was such an important metaphor for Peter to use. And apparently it's said that there's no record of the name Peter or Cephas being used before this time. Isn't that amazing? So we're all Peters. Hallelujah. Emily. Hallelujah.